Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rebelde Rewatch. My name's Elizabeth. And I'm Hortensia. And we're two sisters who watched Rebelde back in the day when it started and loved the show and decided, you know what, it's time to do a rewatch. Now, this is my first time rewatching it since it came out, but I know you've watched it again before. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like one of those telenovelas that has been part of our lives for as long as I can remember. So what do you love about Rebelde? Yeah, well, I uh, was a big fan of the actors coming into the show. So um, I watched Classic 406 uh, before, which is a novela that came out before Rebelde. And so I already um, was a fan of like, you know, Alfonso Herrera, Dulce Maria, Anaí, mm-hmm. a lot of the actors that were in Classic 406. And so when I found out they were going to do a new novella together, I was, you know, excited to see what that novella was going to be like. And even though, um, you know, Rebelde was, it, it was a lot different from Classic 406, but it uh, followed, you know, kind of like the storylines of like teenagers growing up and going to high school and going through all the major, um, you know, new things, like new experiences in life and things. So it was, it was really good. And I, I, again, I'm a big fan of, the actor so throughout the years I've followed them I um y- you know at, at when Rebelde was a huge success in 2004 to through, through 2006 um they were obviously you know it's not a big secret that Rebelde became a big big uh band that came yeah. out of the novela and so I was also a big fan of the music and you know we got to see them in concert I got to meet them actually one time after we got mm-hmm. you know we went basically like being super fans trying you know kind of stalking them um just a little just a little and and so it was it was fun because back then it was such a different time too like there was no social media like there's now so it wasn't quite as easy to figure out uh you know like what was going on with these actors and what was going on with the band and where they were touring like you you could see because um they obviously had websites and things like that but the way we would find out stuff was through the Univision chats which back in that they were kind of like the original social media for us. Like a lot of the fan groups would post, you know, details of what was going on with the cast, you know, what was going on behind the scenes of the novella or with the band. And then also that's where if you were lucky, you would find certain groups that were, you know, really like, really like good. Like they were like detectives. They could figure out (laughs) where the actors were again, depending on what city they were in and the tours and this like that. And that's how we were able to figure out, you know, where they were coming um, uh, when they were touring in the United States, like where they were going to be and when they came to our city and stuff and things like that. So it was just yeah. it was just so cool because back then it wasn't as easy. You know, nowadays I feel like you can find out so much more because of social media and, you know, everything's kind of tracked more. But back then it was it really took a lot of detective work. So shout out to all the huge fans out there that are always, you know, have always been so passionate about the the novella and the band and the actors and um. I think that's part of the reason too why I thought it would be nice to revisit it again, rewatch it because um, you know it's it's just one of those novelas that kind of sticks with you. If you were a fan back then, you you were still a fan. You know they still have a huge following, and I think if you loved you know Rebelde then, you probably still love it now. And now we're watching it with a different perspective. I mean, I've I have rewatched it before again, like previous to this time that I rewatched it, I've, I've watched it again. But, um, but it's just every time you see it, it's like you see it fresh and you you get a different perspective out of it so yeah I uh life would have been a lot easier with insta stories back then but yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah to your point um there were some and there still are some really dedicated fans and um I think that's that's why this novella has endured because um it just made such a mark back then and it's continued with the fan base um I know every few years I just talk of like is there a reunion happening? Is there like more content coming? And so it just continues to be, I guess, a huge part of um, our culture. And uh, so it is exciting to kind of rewatch it, uh, you know, with, with fresh eyes, with older eyes and uh, some of the themes that I didn't catch as a younger teen, maybe stand out a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Um but it is it is fun to catch up, and then to your point about like a lot of the actors from Glasse came over to Rebelde, so I think the success of that novella had fed into like the excitement of Rebelde when it was coming out. There was already 
I think there was already buzz happening of like, oh, there's another novella with all these same people that we like. Um, mm-hmm. So it was already going in. I think people were excited. And then just with the music layer of it, the clothes, the fashion, you know, like all of it just kind of worked perfectly to make it what it became, which is like a huge phenomenon. Yeah, definitely. And I think this past year, um, you know, when they had the the reunion concert, um, that it was just like a one night thing um, mm-hmm. This during the pandemic. And I think that was a huge deal for so many fans because, again, it's like they've been waiting to see this group again together after so many years. I mean, the novella came out October 4th, 2004. And it ran through 2006. And then after that, of course, um, the band, you know, continued to perform and things until about 2008. And so it's just all that time, you know, that that people spent with these characters and not just the characters, but with the actors and stuff. So, you you know, you it there was a lot going on. And then when that ended, it just, you know, it felt like people lost something. And mm-hmm. and and as even though each actor um, continued to do their own personal projects, you know, some of them stayed in music, some of them um, focused more on acting. Um, nowadays, it's like, you know, people, there's so many different reunions happening that everyone's been excited to see, like, when is Rebelde going to, you know, the Rebelde group going to reunite and things like that. But even though it hasn't officially happened, like, there's always that conversation of, like, it could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, you know, again just being able to enjoy things from a different time you know back in 2004 obviously society was very different um some of the things like you mentioned that we saw perhaps in a different way back when we were younger like we might see it in a different way now but um again the love for what what that novella brought to us will always be there and even though sometimes you know you see it with a different perspective now yeah for sure and I think the other like unique thing about it was you know most novellas that are this big are you know a few maybe a year a few months Mm -hmm. and Rebelde was a lot longer than that so (laughs) we got to see like all the twists and turns and just kind of uh it took on lots of different storylines uh so I think that also helped the the fact that it was a longer run than most novellas it really like tapped into that fan base and uh just made it i don't know stick stick in our maybe our hearts a little bit more than other uh novellas yeah so yeah no it's exciting to you know get to re-see it and just we want to be able to share this with all the other fans that are out there um we hope that you watching are watching it with us or have watched it and just you know want to kind of relive it through these episodes um we will be uh just you know covering um two episodes per podcast episode and so that gives us some time to you know go into some some of the major points that we want to bring up but also just kind of you know maybe sometimes also bring in some behind the scenes kind of information that we do have if we do have uh, from when they were filming at the time and things like that. So it's just fun. Again, it's just, I think a lot of time, a lot of times, you know, um, reliving things like that brings out, it just, it's kind of nice to, you know, you relive your youth and you kind of, you, just things that, you know, you find that you just enjoy to find the people that you also, that also enjoy it. You know, it's, it's nice to share that with people. So hopefully y'all will enjoy this and join us for the ride. Yeah. And with that said, there's lots of episodes. So we're going to jump right into the first two. Um, so if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't seen it in a while, feel free to like go watch them real quick and then join us back on the podcast. Um, but we're going to jump into episodes one and two, uh, which really just to recap both of those, they are introductions, introductions to um, the characters. They show us the the premise of the show um it's set at this uh elite way school which is the top uh like private boarding school in mexico um the F. and it's it's basically where all the rich powerful influential people in in la ciudad send their kids to school so it's obviously that's why it's called elite way um and we meet all of our main characters in these two episodes um at least the first four that we meet in in episode one are, are Mia, uh, Miguel, Roberta, and Diego, 
And then episode two shares a few more of like the side characters. We also get to meet a lot of the parents and see some of those dynamics taking place with uh, parent-child relationships. Uh, We start to meet like the friend groups that you're going to get to know a lot more throughout the duration of the novella. Um, And then just dealing with like teen drama, right? It is set in a boarding school. They're all teenagers. Naturally, there's going to be some drama um, and some romance involved. So basically, episodes one and two kind of set this world for us and introduce us to all these main characters. So jumping into like what stood out for you from rewatching that first episode? Well, there's a there was a lot of things like you mentioned. It is an intro episode, so you get to kind of just um, it's a peek into who each character is, and they all fit a very stere- very stereotypical role. You know, like for example, Mia is the rich, you know, the rich um, popular girl. Um, Miguel is like the hurt, you know, the the damaged one that has to get revenge for his family. Uh, Roberto's the rebel. Diego is the rich with everything. And so they fit these stereotypical roles, but how, you know, behind that. So that's something I really like because like in this first episode, I definitely had forgotten how funny Mia is. Mm -hmm. And um, I just love that she's so funny. I mean, it's something that she has a lot of funny one-liners and we'll see them throughout the episodes, but it's just, I'd forgotten that she also had that side of her that's like she deals with things in her way and and she's pretty funny. And so I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, But on the other on the flip side to that is I didn't remember how creepy Miguel was. (laughs) Um, The Miguel of it all. Yeah. The Miguel story, because Miguel is obviously one of my favorite characters. Um, Mm -hmm. The core four, I would say, are like definitely people that I that I care about in the novella. But. I do feel like I I kind of either forgot or just, you know, it's one of those things where you, if you don't rewatch it, you forget how problematic the storyline is for him yeah. because he, you know, again, Miguel is, has graduated high school. It sounds like he's ready to go into like university, college, that setting because his friends um, are, you know, when he, when he's uh, on his plan is to basically go to the Ciudad de Mexico to go to the school so that he can find the Colucci family who he thinks has something to do with the death of his father. And so he wants to take revenge by using the daughter, which turns out to be Mia. Mm -hmm. But all that is very problematic because again, it's, it's such a dark story. You know, it's like, he's, he's trying to get revenge. He's trying to hurt people. He doesn't have a good motive for going. He's lying to everybody around him, including his mom. His mom thinks he's going to La Ciudad de Mexico too um start like university go to college yeah and so everything he's doing is is very problematic and so um I had forgotten how how toxic that was yeah yeah same um I think like watching it the first time originally you're they they make him obviously likable guy there's a lot of I mean he's you know the cute guy the Mm -hmm you know he's damaged like you said he has some family drama until you feel sympathetic for him but uh, now rewatching it's like whoa whoa he's uh he's got issues and he's taking advantage of a lot of people and to your point like he is older right so mm-hmm. uh, essentially in this role of being a predator at a school where yeah. there's all these teenagers um so yeah if if you know if you spend some time with that storyline could be um, really hard to think about. Uh, so we're going to, you know, take it for what it is and mm. just go with it. But um, there's no doubt that it's a, it's a hard storyline to, to think about. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, so yeah, so that's what the story, you know, that's where the story starts with, um, with them. But to focus on some of the other things you brought up, like the parents, um, there's also a lot of parent issues with these kids. Like mm-hmm. um, Mia, you know, even though she's like the little the girl that has everything, or it seems like she's really like the one thing she really wants is her dad's attention. And so you feel bad for her because, you know, again, you're thinking this kid has everything. Like she's spoiled. She's you know she's rich. She has she's the most popular girl in school. So what is she, what else could she want? But we see that she's really 
lonely because she just wants her dad to give her and and give her that attention but i mean i know that her dad is someone who cares about her it's just that it's shown here at the beginning that he's always away because he's you know he's working he's an important businessman um and and so she feels like she never is you know like she never comes first and and so you feel bad for her same on the other side with diego um he in in this episode he shows you know he seems like just kind of like a brat he's you know he gets away with anything because he's got a powerful dad who's a politician um but on the other end, you also see how damaged he is by his dad because he, um, you know, his dad controls every aspect of his life and his mom doesn't really speak up much. It's almost like she's kind of like just a side, like a trophy wife. And she mm-hmm. doesn't have much say because his dad controls everything. Right. And so you feel bad because you know that that also brings issues into the family dynamics. And, and so... With Roberta, for example, um, she and her mom are very close because it seems like Roberta basically is probably like something like homeschooled maybe because she's basically traveling with her mom as they're touring, as her mom is touring because her mom is a famous uh, singer. And so she's touring, you know, Roberta's with her all the time. They've never been separated. And now that she has to leave her and come to the school, which they both don't want, but mm-hmm. they're being forced to do because of Roberta's dad. Right. Um, it's like they're being separated, but there's it's good because a lot of there's a lot of rivalry there. Even though Alma Roberta's mom doesn't realize it, because Roberta Roberta feels kind of like in the shadow of her mom. You know, like mm-hmm. she's always like she's never good enough because her mom is so such a big presence. You know, right? And so there's there's all these family issues, which also I think will be um, explored throughout the novella. But then they help us to see a little bit more of why these kids are the way they are. Mm-hmm. for sure yeah I think the parent child dynamics for sure are like a central part of the novella and you mentioned like I think besides Miguel and his like being the villain right of, yeah. of the like teenage crew Diego's dad really emerges as like the big a big villain too he's the mm-hmm. most unlikable of all the parents to your point like Mia's dad is kind of absent but he's not doing it with a purpose of being absent he just doesn't know any better or doesn't do any better um Alma is just you know a little she just doesn't realize the the effect that she does have on Roberta but she cares about her a lot she's a good mom mm-hmm. so really the parent that that is like the villain is Diego's dad um who because of his role and like his influence he can control a lot of things and chooses to control a lot of things so he's the probably like the most unlikable character at least in these couple of episodes mm-hmm. yeah so um you know it's just it's just important I think to highlight that because again these kids are they don't ever really come out and tell us how old these kids are but I think um I think later we find out they're about maybe 14 15 mm-hmm. uh or so and so they're in they're in um, El Cuarto uh, Grupo, whatever. Like, so I don't know. That's that's maybe like ninth grade. I really don't know how it, how it relates <laughs> how it to our here. grades here. And, yeah, how it relates to our schools here. But um, they're pretty young. And so they're trying to figure everything out. They're trying to figure themselves out. But their parents obviously have a big impact on how they see themselves. And a lot of times, like you said, it's either through not being present, like like Mia's dad, or through trying trying your best but not realizing how you're affecting your kid, like, like uh, Alma, you know, with mm-hmm. Roberta. Right. Um, it's, it's like parents are just people too, you know, and sometimes they don't always do the right things, but they sometimes are, they're trying their best. Or then you get other parents who are really kind of manipulative on how they treat people and even their own, you know, their own families, like mm-hmm. Diego's dad. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's really, you know, one of the main things, I think, again, seeing all these characters come together at the beginning, um, those are some of the main points that I that I could focus on. Yeah, and we do start to meet a few of, like, the friends. So we meet, like, Tomas, who is Diego's friend, and kind of just, like, his sidekick, he follows wherever Diego goes. Um, we meet Vico and Selena, who are Mia's closest friends. Um, Vico although they don't mention it a lot, it does come up that she's what's called like a becada. So there's like these groups of the, basically the haves and the have-nots, right? 
mm-hmm. the students who are there because their parents are paying for them to be there, um, and then the becados who are the students that get there through their academic merit. And so um, Vico and Miguel are in that category. There's a couple other characters we'll meet later on that are also in that category. Um, and then Selena is also uh, one of Mia's friends. So it's like that core three. Um, we meet just a couple other like side characters, the, the headmaster, um, el director, I'm not sure like what, I'm assuming headmaster is like what we would call them um, mm-hmm. in English. And yeah, so just kind of like meeting other key players of the novela. Yeah, and to your point, um, some of these friends, like we'll start seeing some, for example, some other topics that come up that um, I had forgotten were such a big deal back then. Um, Selena has a big issue with body uh, uh, consciousness. Like she's has body body issues, right? She she's what I guess what they would consider overweight, and so for her, um, it's always kind of something that she stands out for, and she isn't, you know, she has. Some people shame her, and some people, mm-hmm. you know, bully yeah. her. And so Mia, being a, lot a friend, of people, a lot of people, yeah. yeah. And 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 that's really sad because you think about at the time, you know, again, these are teenagers, and so body shaming and body um, self consciousness and all that stuff is such a big deal when you're that age. And so I, you know, I think during the episode, like they talk about dietas and you know making sure that you basically like they're trying to achieve this image of what perfection is or what mm-hmm. acceptable body standards are and things and so it's it's a shame too because that is something that society does do to young girls I mean right. young boys too but young girls especially I think it's such a big deal you know and and, and it has such a long lasting impact on girls and even Anaí for, for example herself she had you know um, issues with that in real life and so she talks about that publicly in her career you know how she dealt with um with different eating disorders and things and so it just shows it shows like how society can be so hard on on young girls and especially in that at that age where you're trying to figure yourself out but also you have all these eyes on you you know because everybody's everybody's struggling but sometimes because of that you you see like people being mean to each other because they're trying to deflect you know, criticism of themselves, so they, they have to call out other people and make, and bu- kind of like be a bully first before they can bully you. Right, right. And so that happens for sure. When they meet Roberta, um, that was their first meeting. Here's where we see two char- two of the main characters interact, and it's not a good situation because, you know, Roberta is not someone who's very open first to begin with, so she's kind of a little bit standoffish, but when Mia and Selena approach her, it's already, you can tell, not going to be off to a good start because they come in, they kind of basically start insulting her, not in a mean girl's way, but because Mia has in her mind the idea that she's, you know, she's kind of like the go-to for anything that's fashion, that's correct. You know, she's kind of like the, I am, you know, I'm the cool popular girl. Like everyone should be kind of like me. And so in her mind, she thinks, she thinks she's helping, you know, she takes on, these projects she calls them susproyecto right and she changes her friends to be more like her mm-hmm. and that's also problematic but yes. i but she does it with good intentions so you don't feel like she's one of those mean girls like you feel like oh she's doing it with you know good intentions she's trying to be nice and share you know things so that people will be more more i guess accepted or whatever it is that they want to do or her and, vision of like this is the right way to be yeah, like what, you know, what you need to be to be cool in the school or whatever. Yeah. And so, so when Roberta comes in and they meet her, you know, they start talking about her clothes and her hair. And so she's obviously not going to let them get away with that. Yeah. And she, you know, she has like, she basically um, decides at that moment, they're like, they're her enemies and they're, you know, they, they, they're not going to hit it off. And Selena, we see Selena not be a very sympathetic character because even though we feel bad for her that you know people make fun of her way and even Roberta makes fun of her way and stuff like that she's also a bully because she again she starts with the insulting of like she's like oh your hair you know like Like she's she starts off being a bully first and so it's like you want to feel bad for people but you also see that they're also not so nice themselves sometimes right right well and it's all like anything that's different from 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 what yeah what the norm is supposed to be there you know, they go against uh, 
in a lot of different ways. And to your point, like, because everybody's being targeted in different ways, they're all like equally as defensive and they all equally like bully each other. And so there's no, there's no one uh, really like who's free of not doing something uh, yeah. mean to each other. But I think uh, what you were saying about, uh, about Mia reminds me, it, her character reminds me a lot of Cher from Clueless Mm -hmm. uh who does that and I wonder if they like modeled her after that character right she's the cool uh rich richest girl most popular girl most fashionable girl at school she takes on projects like uh Ty uh in the movie Clueless she takes on her project as like I'm gonna fix her because she's Mm -hmm. different she talks different she dresses different and so she you know starts to try to make her more acceptable in like their society uh and so very much like what mia tries to do in the novella where she's trying to make everybody cool like her but having like a really narrow focus on like what that means um yeah so yeah i mean that's just she reminded me of Cher. well and the thing they did yeah she does remind me of Cher too like she has that type of you know again persona and the thing is that she the 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 novella makes her that way um, which is similar to share that they both are doing this with a good heart you know they have intentions because you have other girls that do the same in other movies and shows mm-hmm. um, like Regina George in Mean Girls she's pretty much the same character as well but with Regina George you see how deep down she's not a good person like she has right. a bit of a mean streak and and she's doing things when she takes in Katie into their group they try to make her over as a popular girl but it's with that also like a meanness to it. And I think that's the difference with like um, with Mia and like with Cher and Clues. Like they're yeah. not mean people. They're they have good hearts. They just go about it in a funny way because they're these girls are kind of very self-absorbed. They're very, you know, like they because they are worshipped by everybody like, oh, you, you're perfect or whatever. Then they, you know, they kind of become this symbol of like, oh, yeah, I have to help these people to be more like me. And so. But again, with with good intentions. And I think that's what makes us like Mia. Because otherwise, I think if they had made her more like of a mean person or, you know, mm-hmm. more like arrogant, more like she would not be likable. We wouldn't like her. We wouldn't think she was funny. We would think she was, you know, just just a mean girl. And she's really not because they make her likable. Yeah, for sure. She's really likable and she's funny, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and, and when we talk about like episode two, she's also a really good friend. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that those are all like the redeemable parts of her um, that make you root for her and make you like her because um, you know, she is overall a decent person in, in, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and, you know, could just use some different perspectives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A bit, a bit, a little bit more open-minded. Yeah. For sure. A little bit more open. Yeah. Um, so, oh, I, I, I do want to, mentioned just like you talked about Selena and her weight and they make a lot of awful comments in the first couple of episodes about her weight mm-hmm. um and it's not that long ago right like what 2004 mm-hmm. and I feel like back then that was more like yep yeah, she's fat so let's make fun of her um I think we've come a long way not totally all the way but we've come a long way in our like discourse about bodies where that I don't know that that would fly as easily um, mm-hmm. now, which is uh, good. <laughs> but um, yeah. the other thing I wanted to just tie with that is the fashion of this era. It's mm-hmm. the early 2000s. And so, and, and this novella like embraces fashion of that era. So a lot of it was like low rise, midriff bearing clothes. So mm-hmm. not only is it the like, oh, you're, fat but it's also like let's make it really obvious because all the cool clothes has to show your stomach and you can because you know you have Mm -hmm. so just the added pressure of like what was going on during that time and the type of clothes that was out there and I remember because I was you know in that age and Mm -hmm. could not wear that clothes because it was not comfortable in, in my body to wear that type of clothing but uh so yeah just kind of thinking about the the time when this was all happening yeah no the clothes was definitely very uh reflective of that time with you know a lot of the popular 
uh, you know, music at the time too, like in the early 2000s, you have, you know, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, and a lot of other, you know, singers and pop um, icons that, you know, it was all about the low rise jeans and the really short, you know, little shirts that showed off your midriff and everything. So it was definitely the style of the time, but that you're right. It does add that extra pressure because it's like that style can only work on certain body types and, mm-hmm. or, you know, like, so it seems right for, for the, for what the clothing or the, the, the fashion industry wants to target, right. Certain mm-hmm. body types. And so it, it does make people feel extra self-conscious if you, if you already have body issues or already facing certain uh discomfort with your own self you know and so all that stuff you know is very obvious in this in this episode but you but going back to fashion I think um it's something that's huge because it does it is very distinctive I mean they have the uniform the school uniform which Mm -hmm. very um, anime style yeah I, I know that that we've talked about this before that you know we don't know if anime had any kind of influence into this but it definitely has a certain look to it that could be very um anime driven and then you know the chunky shoes the you know just a lot of the platform chunky shoes yeah and 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 it's interesting to see because again it's it might be just that that was a close at the time that was popular but it's also has some of that element of like anime and then even like the hair colors Mm -hmm. yeah roberta's red hair and vico's like pink streaks uh giovanni's what like i don't know what to describe his frosted (laughs) Tips, kind of. the tips, yeah. <laughs> the kind of uh, I don't know. Was that Joe? That's also very reminds me of um, Justin Timberlake and his like, yeah, 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 NSYNC. His little, like, NSYNC. <laughs> yeah, just different. Uh, you know, and again, it's also all reflective of of what was going on in the pop world and in the you know fashion industry and everything. But but it does have like certain elements that could be very um influenced by you know either Japanese culture, anime culture, different things that were going on at the time and. And, and and nowadays are kind of coming back, I think, because a lot of that, um, you see some of the flared jeans back. You see some of the uh, the midriff shirts again. Crop tops, yeah. Like, yeah, like the crop tops and stuff. So you, I, I know fashion comes and goes. So it's kind of funny that it's, it's some of that's coming back. But um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, the last thing I'll say is like, if I say that Mia is like Cher from Clueless, then Diego is Draco from Harry Potter. So, yeah, <laughs> very much definitely like the spoiled rich boy who has daddy issues right so yeah even the like slick back uh greasy hair like <laughs> yeah very much draco malfoy vibes from diego yeah that is funny that they are very similar characters i don't know what timeline harry potter has like i don't know who came first but it's no, very harry uh actually the movies i'm not sure about the movies but for sure harry potter had been out for a while okay so he just have that but he does like he does have a, a draco element you know like that whole their dads are powerful and they kind of treat them like they're not good enough and mm-hmm. your disappointment and you know you better do what i say or you know like that whole issue with the dads and then also just kind of like the the mean the mean rich boys but that you know get away with anything and that to come to that to that point um this episode ends with another major issue that we don't you know it kind of doesn't really talk about it much but at the end of the episode um Diego and Tomas are uh they they basically take Tomas's mom's car Mm -hmm. and they they're drinking and driving and um they go out with these older girls which yep. is another, again, another thing of like all more these young, predatory, yeah, behavior. <laughs> more predatory behavior. These young, these these older girls are like dating these like little high school boys. But anyway, they go out, they get drunk, and they're driving, and so they have a car accident. Um, and that's sort of where the the episode ends. But again, it goes back to show how much, um, these kids are very still. Again, just kind of because everything's at their in their, their disposal. You know, they have no real adult super supervision they're rich they have cars you know like things right. like that like he, I, I think Diego really goes off thinking like eh, you know I'm gonna do whatever I want because anyway I can do whatever I want since nobody you know nobody's gonna do anything to me right. I'm I'm Diego and so you know drinking and driving is a big no so <laughs> you know but it's something that again here it's like he, it's like no big deal he just goes off and does, does it so anyway that's the um 
that's the end of that issue uh, of that episode but um one thing i do want to talk before before we move on to the next episode the intro and the outro of the of the of the <laughs> okay. episodes yeah. so like the intro is just a bunch of like a pic you know like kind of images of them um kind of i guess it's the song it's rebelde right rebelde mm-hmm. is the song and and as we're going through the episodes we'll see we'll hear some of the music that becomes important to the the storyline down the down the road right so right now we're just hearing the intro song which is rebelde and they show like pictures of or like images and scenes of like them hanging out and partying and whatever um but then i re- i didn't remember that there's always like an intro message at the beginning of every episode mm-hmm. and sort of like a I don't know. What do you want to call it? Like supposed to be inspirational, maybe. I don't, I like, don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a life, kind of like a life lesson, uh, you know. Slash, let's reflect on what's going to happen in this episode. It's a little corny, but I think what they're trying to do is, um, you know, kind of give us a perspective of like, you know, because again, this novella is targeting young people, right? That are going through some of these same changes and same moments in life and so maybe it's sort of like supposed to serve as a life lesson of like you know we're all going through these things and he- here's some some wisdom that we can share with you or something like that but yeah it, it's I think just, it's meant to be reflective and wise yeah. and uh, at least for me it comes off as corny and <laughs> overly dramatic but I know you said that that's part of it right like I think overly- that's part of it I mean teenagers <laughs> can be I mean I mean I'm not trying to say anything but you know at that time of your life everything seems like a big deal you know like yeah. everything you're living is like it could be a lot of firsts like my you know it could be your first this and your first that and so like a lot of times I think everything does seem a little bit more like dramatic or over the top or, or a big deal because again it is at the time you are experiencing life in in a new way and and, and so I think it kind of goes with the whole idea that you know this is directed towards teens but um and the outro oh, no. is um is like a kissing chain no. <laughs> which which is funny yeah <laughs> now in the life of covid um it would never like seem like a good idea to do this but um it's just Even kind before of covid like i don't know kissing yeah. chain <laughs> i know it's a little odd it is a little odd so um yeah it's just like different uh actor you know just different characters like kissing and going on to the next and the next and the next. And it's not anything that really makes sense at the time. You know, you just see random people. So you don't know if these people are going to be like a couple. Or if it means like this person's going to like this person. At the time, it just kind of seems random. But yeah. I think they do mix uh, the characters randomly. Yeah, they do. So they try I think... maybe probably to throw us off of like who's going to be paired with who. Yeah, probably so. But anyway, those were some funny things that I was looking at again (laughs) but yeah oh yeah the intro and outro yeah all right so that's episode one episode two i mean like we've talked about it kind of just continues where the first one leaves off in terms of still introducing a lot of characters um so i guess the most notable thing about episode two uh as the story continues but the two characters we meet here and for people who do follow the novella and the band um there's two key characters we meet in this episode. One is Lupita, um, who is going to be part of the Becada group. You know, she's going to be there based on her, like, academic merit. And then we meet um, Giovanni Lopez Mendes, uh, who is, uh, you know, he comes from a family who is paying his way, but I guess you would call them, like, new money. They're definitely mm-hmm. not somebody who's been established in, like, the, you know, High society. Yeah, not yeah. high society. They're not in the business circles. They're not in, like, politics. Um, they come from, like, a very humble background. Carnicero, I think, is what his dad said that he is. So um, much more like a... And his parents still look and act very humble, right? Like, you can tell mm-hmm. they came from... It's not been very long that they've come into money. And so uh, we see some of that in this episode. But, like, that that's the biggest thing is just meeting those two characters. Um but what stood out for you from episode two? Um, well, just a few things. So we, um, well, of course, to create more drama in the novella, like we find out that Roberta is going to be roommates with me and her group, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, of course. Gotta create know, the drama. Gotta create some drama. So that's obviously going to be an issue with that. 
and we see them already, you know, again, they had a terrible first meeting, first encounter, and they're not going to, they're not happy that they have to share a room. Um, Another thing that stood out to me was Alma Rey, um, Roberto's mom, she has, um, she, she goes to talk to the headmaster, uh, el director, and if I, and finds out that somebody she actually had a relationship with for, before Mm -hmm. with, um, so apparently, like when she was very young, we don't know the age, but it sounded like when she was very young, she had sounded a, like another inappropriate relationship. Yeah, another another inappropriate relationship where he, an older man, is kind of you know with this young girl, and 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 it sounds like they they were together, but he was actually already married and had a family, and so Alma breaks it up because they find out that uh, that the director's wife is pregnant, and mm-hmm. so apparently they have. Um, Rilar, which is um, going to be another character that we'll we'll find uh, we'll we'll meet in the novela, but uh, and then Ro- Roberta's mom leaves, and shortly thereafter gets pregnant with Roberta and has Roberta. So mm-hmm. he she makes it a point to say Roberta's not your daughter. Don't worry, you know this and that, so that right. we don't have any kind of doubts about it. <laughs> you know, I guess right. so. It's not like oh, you might be, you know, his daughter. Blah, blah, blah. No, right. it's like she's like no, you know, that's not it. So um, anyway, well, and we also meet Roberta's real dad. Yeah, so we, we met Roberta's dad. So it's kind of like, we know that's not her dad. But they bring up this relationship. I don't know if it's to create more, you know, just more backstory. But it is it's it is problematic because, again, it sounds like, I mean, this married man was basically probably taking advantage of this young girl who was very, um, you know, very young and stuff. But mm-hmm. it thankfully, it doesn't go in a too awkward situation. Like, they kind of handle it okay. And, I mean, the director can be a little, a little weird sometimes. Yeah. His character to me is... Like, they try to make him kind of, like, like he's, like, a big, you know, like, uh, goofball sometimes. Like, he, like, you can't take him seriously, but sometimes, you know, he he's the head of the school, right? So, he's obviously somebody with authority, but it sounds like a lot of times he doesn't have any authority because everybody comes in and has some kind of, like, power over him, you know, or, like, some kind right. of um, influence on him. Um, we see that later, too, with Diego's father, you know, like, he holds basically, like, power over him because he basically has to do whatever these parents want and it must be really hard to be in that situation because again you're dealing with some of the most powerful families in you know in the country and so he probably has again to do a lot of catering to their like whims you know to whatever Mm -hmm. they want for their kids and it's like how do you discipline these kids and how do you hold kids accountable and make them you know grow up with certain standards so if you know it's again it's hard because you have parents that might be saying, no, well, my kid's not going to do this, or you have to do this for my right. kid. Or, so I can only assume it's it's a very hard position to be in. Um, but that's kind of like his his role with the school. And, um, and yeah, I mean, and I think it also, like, introducing that idea that they have a past history uh, serves a purpose of this is why Roberta gets to come to the school, because... She doesn't say a good impression. She, you know, right away starts getting into like Baitania and her crew. And uh-huh. it's probably like also foreshadowing like she is somebody who goes against like she rebels openly and she likes to cause trouble. So my guess is like they want us to know that she's gonna be there because he has this friendship with her mom, right? Like or this mm-hmm. past history. Otherwise she probably would have gotten kicked out a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Yeah, he makes um, an exception of some, you know, somewhat yeah. of because he is he does have that, you know, past relationship or whatever. So, um, yeah, and and to talk about again more uh, toxic family relationships or not toxic, but you know, more problems that in the family dynamics. Like we meet Lupita, like you said, and mm-hmm. and we see her her family situation, and while her family is very different from the other families, because again, a lot of the parents. Are either not involved or 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 have other reasons that they're not around their children like it sounds like in lupita's case um lupita comes from you know a humble family um her her tia her aunt is uh owns like a beauty shop or something beauty salon and so she um is the one encouraging lupita to to do this for herself to go off to school because lupita's mom is someone who it seems like is a bit um, selfish with her she uh, Lupita has a sister that has special needs and so uh, she requires a lot of attention and care and Lupita is a person that kind of provides that and so 
Lupita's mom is angry that Lupita's gonna leave. So it's almost right. like you're you're taking away my 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 help, you know? And so Lupita's aunt makes it a point to say, Hey, you can't put this on her. She's a kid, like this the uh, um, you know, this is your daughter and you need to Lupita let let Lupita be herself and go do this for herself. And so right. you see a, a different family dynamic. Even though this family is very close, there's still those issues because again it's like there's no absentee parents. There's no, but it's like there's there's problems within that family dynamic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and then again with Giovanni, like you mentioned, him being ashamed of his family, which is sad because again, it looks like they're very nice and very humble, and they worked their way to get to where they are. And he's just like so embarrassed. He doesn't even want them to go to the school. Like he wants yeah. to be dropped off way far away from the entrance, and it's like sad because you know he's doing that to his own parents but at the time he's just thinking about what people will think and he doesn't want to get criticized or anything so yeah yeah so yeah it's tough I mean I can I can understand all their perspectives but it's it's just hard to see it you know especially when you're older and you realize how much parents do for their kids like but when you're that age you kind of sometimes also um like Giovanni he's not seeing that you're self-absorbed right like you only see how things are going to impact you exactly so so yeah so I mean that's that's definitely happening in Giovanni's case but um we also in this in this episode a meeting between uh, Miguel and Lupita like they meet mm-hmm. while they're waiting for the bus to take them to the school right. um and so here's another case of Miguel being the villain where he's you know he's he's lying to these very nice people Lupita and her aunt are super nice like of the nicest people you probably would meet and you know he's he's over here telling them the story how he's going to do this and this and this but of course lying because his his whole purpose is to go get into the school to get revenge and so um you know that's that's kind of sad again because we even we see how even that relationship that he he meets them is all based on lies um yeah and then we also meet luhan who is going to be one of the side characters that's important uh to what she thinks is a sports scholarship like an athletic scholarship mm-hmm. um but then finds out that um that there isn't like a sports division or something so there's going to be more mystery to the reason yeah or at least that's what they tell her right like there's no sports here so she's kind of like suspicious of, suspicious right? yeah. yeah so yeah i think uh anything else that stood out from this episode or just well, we hear we hear one of Mia's famous uh, taglines or one of her famous quotes. It's like "Qué difícil ser yo," and that's one of my favorite things about her because she, again, the whole world revolves around her in her mind. You know, everything's mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, like it's so dramatic because even though these issues are definitely issues that are not big issues in the grand scheme of life, um, to her, it's like she feels like she's dealing with so much, and it's so hard to be her because she is who she is you know and so it's just funny to hear her and and it's like that's going to be a famous one for her um oh but we didn't talk about Diego Diego is in the hospital oh, yeah. and from the car um, crash from the car crash and of course we see again how his dad comes in and he's pretty much only care about how the public will perceive this whole situation because you know he's running for an office position some he's running for something and he's like you know you're just basically saying you're a disappointment to me and you're not like your brothers and all these different things and and we see there a little bit of a glimpse of the sad Diego the other side of Diego who is who does want his parents approval who wants to be just left for himself not for being the son of a politician you know right. and um and so you see him and you 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 do feel bad because you know right now as of now we've only seen him be like this bratty like rich spoiled boy but you know he's just a kid who wants to be accepted by his dad right yeah so that's that's what we get and and thankfully he's not hurt but he does have to do um or he you know he gets told he's gonna have to pay for this somehow like his dad is almost willing to sacrifice him so that his image doesn't get you know dirty by this whole situation so it's just funny how again they want to make this guy such a villain he's willing to like put his own son as the like um as the bad guy and just disassociate well, himself with him he, from him his whole thing is like well if i'm tough on my own son then they'll see that i'm gonna be tough on 
crime or whatever his role is. I don't know what his office is. But basically, yeah, yeah, sacrificing Diego so that he doesn't lose credibility. Exactly. So, yeah. But that's... Um, I think that was it for this this um is this, this episode ends with um basically Miguel is they're they're about to they're all registering for the becados test so that they can make sure they stay at the school and um Miguel is told he cannot take the test because his mom isn't there to sign for him. Mm-hmm. And so we get the sense of like oh, did he come all this way and then this he was won't plan be foiled already. <laughs> yeah, this plan gonna go according to you know, according to Blen we'll see next time you know and it's like so that's how it ends but yeah I think for these first two episodes it was a lot of again introductions setting the story uh seeing how all these characters are going to play out and kind of some of them I've already met some of them have not um so but yeah so that's that's pretty much I think what we get out of these and again uh it's fun to see them again play these characters because like I said if you're if you're familiar with them from other novellas like um it, it was just a different setting. Like these, these characters are very different than what the, the ones they were playing previously in like classical fantasies. And so it was fun to see them in these roles because they're playing again, like Mia is Mia. Well, Anai was always kind of the rich girl. She was a rich girl in the other novella, but <laughs> she's, she's, uh, I think she's a lot funnier here. Like I just love her humor. And then yeah. Roberta uh, Dulce uh, has always kind of played more of, her roles like her name Dulce she's kind of like a sweet girl here she's playing a rebel and it was something really different for her so that was fun and then um and then you know with I, I didn't know Christopher before this novella but I know Alfonso he played kind of like more of a um just a regular guy like he wasn't again this storyline for him is very dark with like the whole revenge thing so mm-hmm. yeah he wasn't the main guy in the, in other, the other novella no novella. so this is his chance but yeah i think as for as much as like drama and like over the topness that there is there's also a lot of funny and absurd and ridiculous moments so i think they try to balance it out right like not <laughs> let it be too serious because some novellas are purely like drama and yeah. so they try to bring in some of the like these kids are ridiculous some of the clothes yeah. some of the like the way that they joke uh or they say things in a serious way but for us it's meant to be a joke like Mia's que difícil la serio or you know just some of the levity that they try to bring in mm-hmm. yeah no for sure so all right all right well those are the first two episodes uh, hopefully you're gonna follow along with us we'll be back uh, later this week with episodes three and four recap um, catch up with us follow along or if you've already watched it all uh, you know just hopefully we share some insights or some common themes that you guys have picked up on um so you know follow us subscribe um feel free to leave a comment and a rating let us know if there's things that we missed that you would like us to talk about but we will continue going into the 400 plus other rebelde episodes to come yeah so thanks for joining us oh yeah and don't forget to follow us on instagram and tiktok find us at at Rebelde Rewatch.